Welcome to A Life Designed. My name is Tina Heisman. I teach busy moms how to get everything done and still have time and energy for themselves. My passion is for helping women create more heart-to-heart connection with their husband and children so they can feel deeply fulfilled in those most important relationships. The topic of today's podcast is overcoming unhelpful motherhood advice. But before we get started, I want to let you know that I have created a free download called The Ultimate Guide to Guilt-Free Self-Care. I'm really proud of this guide. It's a guide to help you take care of yourself in mind, body, heart, and soul so you can feel like your best self every day. And that topic goes just perfectly with the theme that our guest is here to talk about today, this whole thing of motherhood. We've got to take care of ourselves. So you can visit my website, tinaheisman.com to download that. And also I have a free group on Facebook where you can come to get inspiration for your life. I call it a life designed and it's because we need to be intentional about designing our days. And it's actually a happy place on Facebook because I know some places aren't. So let's dive in and talk about overcoming unhelpful motherhood advice with Becky Baldwin. Becky, I'm so excited for you to be here today. Um, You guys, I've known Becky for about five years now, and we are both in a Christian women speaking group together. She is a very wise soul, and you're going to see why during our talk today. Becky is a writer and speaker and former columnist at Chicago's Daily Herald, and she holds a degree in practical theology, and you're going to hear some of that wisdom sprinkled in too. So for more than 10 years, Becky has been writing compelling stories that contain truths that are transformative, that help equip women to walk through the ups and downs of everyday life. She's very real and authentic in everything that she writes. And I hope that you will go pick up her book if you haven't already. And we're going to tell you about that. But Becky and her husband, Bernie, have three daughters Two of them are, well, one is college age, one just graduated college and is moving far, far away, and one is in high school. Right, Becky? She's in high school? Yes. Yes. High school. uh, No, junior. She just started. Oh, a junior. So she has the parenting experience and wisdom that we need. And just as far as Becky personally, she would describe herself as a friendly introvert and a homebody. And she says, if you're looking for her, she's probably in the kitchen. And that is so true. So welcome, Becky. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on. Yeah, I'm so happy. And now I just kind of alluded to this. I didn't, I kind of spoiled it a little bit, but Becky has written two books. She has written two books. Her first book is called Cancer, Faith, and Unexpected Joy. And her second book is called Enjoy Every Minute and Other Ridiculous Things We Say to Moms. (laughs) You guys are going to love this. And so today we're focusing on that book, on the motherhood, on the enjoy every minute part. So Becky, could you just share with us why did you write that book? Well, so you shared that I have been writing and speaking to moms for quite a while, about 10 years. And I started with a column in the Daily Herald called A Mom's Point of View. And that ran for about five years and probably my most popular column or the one that I received the most response from was one called Mom Myths. And I did it for Mother's Day and then I did one for dads. I did dad myths for Father's Day. And I had a lot of fun with it, kind of poking fun at some 
um, things that we say, some myths. And so then I turned that into a talk and I started sharing that with moms groups, mops groups um, in the Chicago area. And over the years, it's just sort of evolved. I still, um, up until a couple years ago, had been giving versions of that talk. And you also speak at moms groups. And I know we've talked about this. One of our favorite things is being able to sit in on the group discussion after we've talked about whatever the topic is and just listen, listen to moms talk about what resonated with them, hear their thoughts, hear their funny, very candid stories. And so I started adding to my list. So um, I feel like I've been writing this book for a very long time. Um, I've had this content and then I just needed a way to structure it to talk about all of the really important things I wanted to talk about. So the myths and cliches became kind of a framework for me to be able to do that. Yeah, it's such a great book. It's so fun. And I love being a part of the book launch team and going through the book club with you. And I know that you um, you do offer book clubs. So we'll just put that out there, right? For people, there's different ways that they can do a book club with your book. So yes. um, maybe after they hear all of this, they'll want to do that. So um, the next question I had for you is about the advice. Like one of the most popular pieces of advice that you wrote about in the book is that um, the advice offered to mothers of young children, where they say, enjoy every minute because the time goes so fast. Um, as someone who's launching a child off to college in this, this week, I, I see where they're coming from, but yes, it's really definitely. impractical advice. Can you tell us more about that and your thought about that? Yeah, I think this one I chose for the title and I felt like it was a good way to sort of set up the tone of the book. It's kind of you know, the intention behind it, I think is really good. It's, it's moms who usually it's more experienced moms who see younger moms with their kids and they, they think the time has just flown by, you know, so they, we want to, and I'm in that boat now too. I've got older kids, so I have to stop myself from saying it. Um, because I think that while it's true, once you can kind of look back in the rearview mirror, it feels like the years go fast the days, those long days and long nights. And when you are in the thick of parenting, especially little kids, I just remember when, when people, when moms would say this to me, I would just think like, I know, like, I know it's, but it doesn't feel like it's going fast. It feels some days feel so long. And I think what can happen with this type of advice or some of the other things we talk about in the book is it can turn into like negative self-talk where you start like, why am I not enjoying this more? Like, what if you're really just struggling and, and motherhood is much harder than what you expected it to be. And you have all these people saying, isn't it wonderful? Enjoy every minute. And, you know, um, and then another thing I realized too, is I think there's a difference between reminiscing, which is what we do when we are, you know, looking back and we're reminiscing on the good moments and then really remembering like, and I think that young moms especially need some of us more experienced moms to really remember, oh, yes, I remember what it was really like. And, and some days are really hard. And some moments are really awful. Like, they really are. And you just get through them. And then you wake up the next day and you start a new day. And um, so, yeah, that's, I think it's impractical. But I also think to go a little deeper, sometimes it can set us up for some negative self-talk and just feelings of inadequacy. Um, so that's kind of what I get into with just starting right off with that one. 
Yeah. And it's like, you just kind of start beating yourself up because you think something's wrong with you. If you're not enjoying every day, even though, you know, logically we should always try to enjoy life the most. Right. But yeah, I think, and that's a really neat um, distinction between reminiscing and remembering. I think um, that's something really good to keep in mind. Yeah. (laughs) Are you reminiscing or are you remembering? Yeah. Cause I felt so validated. There was one time my aunt Carol was visiting and my, my girls were really little and she's one of my favorite people in the whole world. All I wanted to do was sit with her at my cup of coffee and talk to her and my kids. It was just one thing after another, a poopy diaper I needed to change. And then they spilled one of them spilled their Cheerios and I had to clean it up. And I just couldn't even like have, um, get a couple sentences out. And it was so frustrating And I remember she just kind of shook her head and said, wow, when they're little like that, it really is all about survival, isn't it? And I felt so free to just not have to worry that maybe she was upset with me or she didn't think I was doing a good job or any, it was just grace. It just felt very gracious. And I felt like she remembered watching me. She really remembered what it was like. So, oh yeah, yeah. I love that story. I remember that one from the book. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah. So another thing that you tackle in the book is mom guilt. Mm-hmm. And this was an interesting scenario because you put some questions out to social media, like to your audience to get feedback for the book, which is great because this book includes not only your own real life stories, but stories of other moms too. Yeah. But tell yeah. us about what happened when you went to social media to ask moms about guilt. Yes. I knew that I wanted to talk about mom guilt because it's what, you know, sitting in on those group discussions with these mom groups that I visit it always comes up. Um, the, the mom guilt and then also just the fear of I'm going to mess up my kid and I'm just not doing a good job. So I, I did want to pull in stories from other moms. So I put out a couple questions. Um, I think I asked, you know, what kinds of things do you feel guilty about? And then what does it sound like in your head? Like I wanted to know what, what are we thinking? What are the thoughts that we're thinking that are making us feel guilty? And I thought it would be this real engaging conversation online. And I was really surprised because nobody wanted to really put it out there. It was more like, well, you know, how much time do you have? Or, you know, only every day of my life, I feel guilty, but nobody wanted to say it. So I invited them to private message me. And a lot of women really um, just were so raw and honest about the deep feelings of failure that they have about the way that they're mothering. Um, I saw that a lot of moms were feeling guilty about kind of the same kinds of things like moms of young children were feeling guilt if their kids didn't sleep well or didn't eat well, or they cried all the time, or they weren't enjoying, you know, the baby, the baby stage. Moms of older kids were feeling guilty if their children weren't, were struggling in school, or maybe were not socially developing the way that they thought they should, or, um, Even when our kids get sick, moms, you know, I identified with that. You feel like you failed somehow if your child is sick. And then moms of older, like young adults, teenagers, young adults were just feeling guilt over if maybe some of the choices their kids were making. Um, And I had several moms say they felt guilt over not being able to provide a sibling for their only child. And so then, I mean, that just broke my heart because that's certainly something we don't have control over, but so much of these things that I just said, we don't have control over them. So I really saw that moms were feeling guilt over things they had no control over and also 
over just all of the ways that, that, that we fall short. That sense of failure, I really saw that come through. And I saw a distinction between kind of what I would call true guilt and then shame. You know, I saw both of that. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So, um, and again, it was so interesting just to see kind of, I, I actually laid out all of these stories and some of them sounded like the same, almost the same person, you know, um, if I could put all of them together, it could be like, this is the guilty mother. This is what she thinks and what she feels. But there was like a sneaky progression. I felt like from true guilt over something, maybe, you know, I, I lost my temper with my child or I forgot something that was really important, something that, that we did or that, you know, it's more about an action, something that we do. And um, I really think that true guilt is important and it's valuable. And I think some of us would even say we want our kids to feel true guilt when they do something wrong. Um, you know, as Christians, we can call that sometimes the conviction of the Holy Spirit or just this awareness that I've missed the mark and I need, and then there's a clear next step. I can say that I'm sorry, ask for forgiveness. I can do the repair work in the relationship to make something right. Shame, on the other hand, was more about the, the person, you know, so, so the difference would be like, I messed up and I yelled at my child. I feel bad about that versus shame, which would say I'm a terrible mother. My kid deserves better than to have a mom like me. And the problem with that shame is just, it's not, it's very vague. It's not something that you can pinpoint and say, I did this and here's my next step. There's really no next step except just to feel more of a sense of failure. So I think being able to make that distinction and know, is there something here that I can look at and I can make right? Or is this just a sense of shame that is just like a heavy burden that I need to throw off and just ask God to free me from? Because all of us fall short, every single one of us. So I love that chapter. It's probably my favorite in the whole book because I share so many stories from other moms. And um, I just think it's so helpful for moms to read some of those. Yeah. Wow. That's a really huge, um, another really huge nugget of wisdom there, the difference between the guilt and the shame. And yeah. even though I read the book, like I still don't remember like it, the way it's settling for me right now, always good to go back and reread. Right. But yeah, just that, um, yeah. Like if we feel guilt, okay, good. Then what can we do to resolve it and make it right and, and clean it up? Yeah. And that's different than shaming ourselves and making us to be horrible people for making mm -hmm. a mistake as a mother. Yeah. Wow. That's really and it's so important to teach our kids that I think to include a sort of let our kids see us walk through that process. If we, if we need to ask for forgiveness or say, I'm really sorry, I didn't handle that right for them to be able to see there is a path forward when we mess up and then you can be free and you don't have to feel guilty forever, you know? Um, because I think our kids can just sort of adapt the way that we take on shame and they can do the same thing. It's so sneaky, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I think it, it really leads to some of the moms. It was really heartbreaking, but some of them, the, the shame just leads to like a feeling of worthlessness. Like I am just, I hate to hear anybody say I'm a terrible mother because it's not true. We all have good and bad. We do, we all mess up. We all make mistakes, but that's not who we are, you know? So I think there's so much freedom that can be ours if we can differentiate and understand 
this is shame and this, and God doesn't want me to be feeling this way. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. So that was a big topic in the book. Great chapter. Um, I think it was, I think I remember that's where um, the story of Trisha's son was. Jack, yes. was that where Jack's story was? Do yes. you want to share that cute little story with us? I do. And that's kind of, I talk about how, um, you know, with our failures and the, the things that we're going to mess up, how God can even use our parenting mistakes for good. That's where I share that story. And so what I mean, I'll, I'll share her story and she's in our, she's um, in this group that we're a part of. She's a good friend of ours. So you've heard this story too, but um, her little guy, Jack was, I think he was in first grade. So this was a couple years ago um, when he was at school, she went to pick him up one day and she overheard another mom say, how excited her daughter had been to come to school that day because it was super reader day. So the kids were supposed to bring their favorite stuffed animal, their favorite book, a blanket. They were going to sit in the gym and have this really special reading day. And Trisha's heart just sank, you know, because she forgot she had gotten the emails, but she didn't remember. And she did not send Jack to school. And you might know what that feels like. I certainly know what that feels like. You just sometimes we mess up, we forget. So she just was like, Oh, you know, that feeling of, you know, feeling so bad. So Jack came out of school and he is an exceptional kid. I mean, we know <laughs> we see him Trisha's on Instagram and he pops on and does his jokes of the day. And he's just such a sweet kid, but um, he came out of school and Trisha started to talk to him and he didn't mention anything right away. And then she said, so buddy, I'm so sorry about super reader day. I forgot. I'm so sorry. And he said, well, he said he was confused and disappointed when he opened his backpack and didn't see the things that he needed, but he went to his teacher and told her that he didn't have anything that he needed. And she had him pick a book from her shelf and a stuffed animal from an extra supply that she had brought for just that kind of situation. And he went in the gym and he sat and he read and it didn't ruin his day. Like he still had a good day. And I just thought every mom needs to hear this story because I think all of us would say we want to, we want to raise resilient children. We want our kids to be able to problem solve. And if when th things don't go right, we don't want our kids to be the ones who are, you know, their whole day is ruined because something went wrong. Right. And yet we still put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect and make sure that they never have to experience any of that. So I just think if we can take some of that pressure off and know we're going to do the best we can, but even when we forget, even when they are in a situation that's painful for them, even because of something that we did, that God can use that to help them become resilient, to help them be flexible and to help them be compassionate and then be gracious. Cause then Jack came out and he said, I forgive you, mom. Cause she was so sorry, you know? And so I just thought that was a win. That was a really, that was a moment that I just, I wanted her to be able to see what a win that was you yeah. know, instead of a failure. Cause yeah. we're human. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's such a great story. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really fun. And I mean, that was something I feel like you know, she forgot. But for me, I share so many stories of times that I just, I blew it. You know, I really <laughs> blew it, like losing my temper. I talk about my struggle with anger and my daughters, especially as they got older. But even that, I feel like as our kids see us come back and take ownership and they see us working on our stuff, if we have to go to counseling, go to counseling, 
figure out what's underneath the anger and figure out how to communicate better, he can use all of that to help equip them for all of the people that they are going to be with in their life who are also not perfect. I mean, really every relationship they're ever going to have is going to be with an imperfect person. So we can help prepare them (laughs) and God can use us to equip them for that. I love that. And that when you said the word resilient, like it just gave me chills throughout my whole body because that's so true. That is exactly what we need them to be because life is going to come at them the way it's come at us. And that's a really important skill is how to bounce back. How do we bounce back? Yes. Yeah. So cute, Jack. Yes. Well, yes. another big topic that you guys that we talk about in the book is balance. So that is such a great topic, highly debated in life, right? You can't have balance. You can't yeah. tell us what, uh, what your perspective is on that. So the myth or the cliche that the chapter of that title is stay balanced. And I just wanted to kind of tackle that because I think it's something that we hear a lot. It's something that we all strive for. I think we all want that, but I, you know, I sort of used to think of it like riding a bike, like stay balanced means we got to find our balance first. And then we just need to stay balanced. We just need to be able to like stay upright, you know, steer the bike, make sure that we can keep this thing going and just stay balanced. But I just think it's not the right analogy. So I use the analogy of a surfboard. Now I've never gone surfing, but I've seen it. <laughs> Have you ever gone surfing? No. no. I mean, Buggy boarding. Well, that's kind of, I mean, it's a similar idea. I, I, the reason I like that analogy better is because the water is constantly changing and moving. And it, I think that's what motherhood and I think that's what life is like. So just when you think you know, I've got my baby on a sleep schedule, then they cut a tooth and they start waking up again, or they go through a growth spurt and they need to eat more. Just when you think you've got, you know, your preteen figured out, then puberty hits. And now all of a sudden they're acting like a kid that you don't even recognize. And, or you launch your first kid off to college. And so you think with the second one, like, I know how to do this. I've done this before. And then you launch your second kid and you're finding yourself in a season of just you're getting closer to the empty nest and you're feeling stuff that you didn't necessarily feel with the first one. So I just think there's this constant shift. So we don't have control over so much. Life is constantly changing, constantly moving. We are in families where everybody in the family is constantly changing. Our schedules are constantly shifting. So the thing that I really think we do have control over is, um, intentionally making choices each day that align with our values and our priorities. And that's the best I have found that I can do. There are going to be days that I feel like this feels chaotic. This does not feel balanced, but what adjustments do I need to make then so that maybe next week can look a little different? Can I get a family dinner on the calendar and make sure that we can all gather around the table one night even in a busy season? Or can we take something off of our calendar so that we have some more downtime? Um, So I think just looking at where do we need to make adjustments and changes to try to, you know, create a little more balance, but this idea of staying balanced, finding it like it's some perfect thing that once we find it, we can hold on to it. I just think is so unrealistic. Yeah, seriously, not going to happen. Did you have any good stories from that chapter to share with us? Um, I don't remember particular stories. I did talk about just even, and it's different for every family, but I did talk about some of the specifics with our family with um, 
some illness that we kind of deal with chronic illness, which just means that we cannot live life at a super fast pace for very long before it starts to really take a toll. And also some of the um, challenge that I found just living in the suburbs of Chicago, we live in a nice community, but even with that, um, we can't necessarily live the lifestyle that we see a lot of people around us. So once your kids get into school, there's can be a lot of pressure to get your kids into all of the things, all of the classes and the special sports teams and the travel teams, especially if you want them to be prepared to play later on in life or whatever. So just, I think having the wisdom and asking God to help us as families figure out what does this look like for us? And it might look different than our neighbor. It might look different than our child's best friend and the way that they do their family. Um, but to figure out what those values and priorities are so that we can then make choices that align with that. Yes, that's so true. I yeah. tried it with, the, with our kids, you know, of course they'd say something like, well, so-and-so is doing this. And I'm like, that's not how we do it in the Heisman house. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that with me. Yeah. It's very interesting. But I can remember no, I mean, one time, even with the financial, I mean, we were very blessed. So I would never complain or say like we have any lack at all. But like one thing our kids knew, like in middle school, our girls, everyone around them had Uggs, like the real Uggs, you know, and they were expensive. They're good boots. But we had like a different brand of Uggs from Kohl's or something, you know. And so one year we'd gotten every, the bags out from the basement to get everything out, see what boots, which boots fit, which kid. And one of the girls was like, oh, here's the Uggs. And one of the other girls just yelled, we don't have Uggs in this family. We don't get Uggs. These are so, and I just laughed because I thought it's so true. You know, it's just, but you know what, even with that, there's, I see my girls now as adults and it's only helped them to learn how to live within their means and to, to be okay with that, you know, and I'm seeing them make some of those same choices and figure out what are our priorities and what are our values and what are our resources and our limits and all of that. So it's all good. Yeah. And, and it does, I mean, and it continues, like you said, into adulthood. So it's mm-hmm. like great training ground while we're having them. And that maybe goes back to some of that mom guilt where we really might really love to give them Uggs. Some of us yeah. probably could care less, but yeah, you know, but we, you know, we have to be realistic and it just serves yeah. them later in life, you yes. know, making their own choices. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. Oh, Becky, there's like so many things we could talk about you guys. Seriously. If you have not read the book, you definitely want to read the book. And so Becky, tell us um, where people can find you online find your book. And if you want to talk to us about like the book club, if they wanted to gather friends or a group to do how you do that. Sure. So you can find me, my website is just my full name. So you'll probably have that on the podcast, but it's Becky Baudouin, B-A-U-D-O-U-I-N.com. And when you go there, you can see how to order the book. The book's also on Amazon. It's called enjoy every minute and other ridiculous things we say to moms. And the book club thing is the most exciting thing for me when I hear of groups that are doing this together, because when I wrote the book, um, I included at the end of each section, 
um, sort of a summary and some reflective questions that you could do just kind of on your own journaling or my bigger dream was if moms could do this together and share their experiences together. So there have been some groups that have done this as a group, even a big group, but then broken up into smaller groups and gone through the whole book. And it's 12 sections, so it works really well to even do it over the course of a year, or you can do it in six months and do two, two times a month get together. Um, so that is just the best. And the feedback that I'm getting from that is just amazing because the moms are not only connecting with the content, but they're connecting with each other. And then they're doing motherhood together. They're sharing their own stories. They're talking about what really resonates with them. And they're building a community around mm -hmm. the content, which is my, it was my dream that that, that, that could happen. So, um, and it's all included in there. But on my website, I have something now where if you want to do a book club, I can help you get like a book club kit. And then I've even done author Q and A's like via Skype, or if it's local, I can go in person on the last night and kind of just have a fun night talking and answering questions and doing like an author Q and A. So that's been very fun. Yes. That's so fun. Yeah. You guys, I'm serious. The book is so good. And as you can see, Becky is delightful and wise and authentic. And she shares amazing stories in the book from herself and other moms too. And just, you know, just really this main message, I think it just, just realizing people mean well with their advice, but we really have to, you know, pick it apart for the, you know, reality of our lives and make sure that we don't try to take on unhelpful advice so that we can do our best to be the mothers that we were destined to be the ones that God created us to be. And just knowing Becky, right? Like we are all the perfect mother for our children. There's, yeah not a better, better one out there. And so just knowing that just, I think a lot of women, I hear that a lot too. Women are afraid of screwing up their kids and it's, um, yeah. you know, I, I the struggle is real, yeah. but we want them to know that they really are the perfect mom for their children. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure if I could put you on the spot. Would you say a little prayer and lead us off, lead us out with a little prayer? Sure. For all the moms. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just thinking there's a really good story in the book that you shared too, that you talked about just along the lines of what you just said with um, figuring out kind of who you are and not having to compare yourself or be like somebody else and just being able to accept, you know what, this is kind of my strengths, my weaknesses or whatever. So that's fun that you shared that too in the book. Yes, I'm honored to have it in the book. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'd love to pray. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for this conversation and for any of the moms who are listening. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray, God, that you would just be able to lift some of the burdens that we carry off of our shoulders. I feel like as moms, we carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, whether it's worrying about our kids, the guilt that we talked about, um, the pressure that we put on ourselves or that we feel as we compare ourselves to others. And I just pray that you would bring freedom from those burdens that you never meant for us to carry and that you would help us to walk in your truth and your grace and to be able to extend that grace to ourselves and our children and to um, other moms in our lives. Thank you for Tina and for the way that she helps so many women to live lives of purpose and to, um, to be able to be the best wives and moms that they can be. And thank you again for this chance to, to share your message and to encourage one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
And thank God for Becky too. Thank you, Tina. You are a gift. Thank All right, you. everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Go get the book because there's so much more than you were able to hear today. Have an awesome week.